Lords of Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we are finally living up to the name of our podcast and discussing some Sealed. How does it feel? It feels pretty good. You know, you all are listening to Lords of Limited history right here, 86 episodes deep, and we have never dedicated an episode to just Sealed before. Not only that, but we both practiced. We both practiced. I thought you weren't going to do it. I, I really felt like I would have to twist your arm more, but you uh, you went off to the races. Yeah, I didn't want another one of those in theory episodes. I, I thought that would get kind of old. <laughs> Yeah, no more theory crafting from you and me, Ben. We are we are coming back from the sealed trenches, and we've got a lot of info to throw at you fine folks this week. So do we want to check in on some trophy leaderboards? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so my drafting on MTGO is largely the same. I've been playing sealed instead of playing draft this week. Um, so I'm still 44 drafts deep, 90 and 38, 14 trophies, and a 70% win rate. Yeah, I actually haven't done a single MTGO draft for Ravnica Allegiance this week. I have been doing some chaos drafting uh, when the time permits, but my only Ravnik allegiance on Magic Online has been sealed. So still 80 drafts, 18 trophies, 65% win rate. And on Arena, I started keeping better track of what I've logged. I have 17 drafts deep, 58 and 26 record, 69% win rate, and six trophies. But I'm sure it's a little lower than that because I was not doing well when I was not keeping track. And I hit Mythic. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't like call me up at two in the morning to re-record the intro or like we could have put out a special two minute episode of the podcast if you wanted. Yeah, a little newsflash. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm 30 best of one drafts deep, but rip best of one ranked for Ravnica Allegiance. It's not out anymore. I refuse to play Guilds of Ravnica. My my ranking is done. Yeah, I am uh, 142 and 70 with nine quote unquote trophies for a 67% win rate. And if we check in on sealed, I have done nine sealed. Wow. My record. Hold on. Can we get a, a round of applause out there, folks? If you're <laughs> listening in your car, just pull over and, and just give this man a hearty, hearty clap for doing nine seals. I know that really pained you. It really did. Uh, I my record is a yikes. I have a 20 and 17 record. It could be a little better than that. I I played some pretty sketchy builds for science because most of this was geared towards trying to get info for the podcast, but it would not be much better than that. Maybe like 57, 58%. And I have one trophy, one five oh. All it takes is opening Hydroid Crisis, you know, Benthid and some other some other busted rares, mass manipulation. Easy peasy. For your uh, win rate to be not great, I feel no sympathy for you concerning you opened back-to-back Hydroid Crisis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have 11 seals under my belt, 29 and 16. Although I think it might be 28 and 16. Uh, no trophies, but a 64% win rate. Yeah. So you've been pretty consistently 3-2-ing, right? Yeah, like 3-2s, 4-1s, and then like a, I think a 1-3. I think I had an 0-3 in there at some point. Um, but yeah, mostly just like 3-2s and 4-1s. Yeah, I had a couple of 0-3s and a 1-3. That hurt. Oof. Yeah, those are real rough. Um, so yeah, so as you uh, may have guessed from the title and from us actually talking about Sealed in the uh, trophy leaderboard check-in, we are going to be looking at Sealed. And primarily because I am going to compete in GP Cleveland, Magic Fest Cleveland, which is the Magic Fest, the thing that is like the Pro Tour and the GP is still the GP. How, how does it work? 
It's GP Cleveland, Pro Tour Cleveland, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so old man Ben is uh, sticking with the old letters there. Um, but I'm yeah, I'm going to go to the GP this weekend uh, to play some sealed and wanted to get some prep in. And also, I do think we probably should just be biting the bullet and having a painful week every time it sets out because there's a lot of GPs going on, a lot of people playing in in PTQs or whatever, and, and they're primarily sealed if you want to play limited. So I think we, we need to get that info out to the fine folks. So before we get into our deep dive here, we want to talk about the Patreon patreon.com slash lords of limited where you can give back to the show if you so choose of course the show will always be free but if you want to give back to the show we give you a little bit of perks depending on the tier that you want to give back to but everyone gets access to the lords of limited discord and that is the place to be to talk all things draft and dare i say perhaps this week sealed if people want you know it's really cool especially uh around gp time to get people posting their like day two decks or like Oh, I 7-2'd or I 8-1'd with this deck and I'm going to go into day two. That's always really super exciting for us as like, I don't know, like I feel like a proud papa of the Discord a lot of the time, even though it feels like the Discord has graduated college and doesn't need me anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm still very happy to uh, to be a part of that community. And we also want to make sure that we shout out each and every new patron the week that they join. So this week we'd like to welcome Lars, Micah, Kieran, Tom, Scam, Raffles, Grazina, Byron, and Alexi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yes, thank you so, so, so much. So um, we're going to talk some like big picture sealed stuff, but basically just kind of like vomit out all of our info, all of our feelings about things from this week. Uh, and then at the end, we're going to sort of do what we do when we have our like what's the play episodes where we're going to have a lot of imager links available for you folks to check out where you download the episode. So you can follow along as we're going to take a look at a sealed pool, take a look at some different builds and discuss the conclusions we came to, the records those builds had, all that good stuff. I feel like it's tough to talk about sealed in an audio format, but like if we're going to talk about it, let's go whole hog let's not like do a, a ton of theory crafting let's get into the nitty-gritty so but but going from big picture to, to small picture ben what's your sort of path when you hear that crinkling sound on magic online you open your six boosters what are you doing first first thing i do is right click sort by rarity and see whether or not i opened up hydroid graces again <laughs> i was very excited the second time around and then the third sealed i did i was like what is this there's no hydroid graces here i thought i opened it every time you filed for reimbursement then right yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, right click sort by rarity and see if those, you know, go together and or push me in any certain direction. And then the very next thing I do is usually go and check out my guild gates for this specific set because I feel like those guild gates determine a lot of what is going on in your pool or what you can splash. And then, you know, I just immediately hop into building after that. Yeah, I find it really important to just like get to building, I think you can kind of get into this like paralysis state of looking at all the cards and thinking about what might go together or looking at stuff. And I know that different streamers that I've watched at least have different strategies or habits for how they go about building the pools. You know, like you drag every card of a single color into your like, you know, deck portion and then click out all the cards that you don't want to play, that sort of thing. I like to sort of start from like the cards I'd be very happy with playing, you know, or like think about, okay, well, it looks like I have a black white deck here. What does that look like? And let me try and build that. And then as I'm building it, I may find that, well, I don't have enough playables. So then what is the other color that I might splash? What's the easier splash here or whatever, something like that. Or then maybe I might find that I can't actually build black, white and then start over somewhere else, you know? Yeah, specifically in this format, I've I've found, okay, I want to try blue, green. Like it looks like I've got some blue, good blue, green rares and not, not necessarily like Simic, for example, but mostly that I try to build a color pair or a guild and then I find I'm like 
two to three to four cards short. And then I start thinking, okay, what can I splash to fill out this deck? It's been pretty rare that I've just had enough cards in two colors to build a straight two color deck. But if you do get there, I really think that's where you want to be. Yeah, we're going to get to that a little bit later. Very cool thing that Channel Fireball tweeted out yesterday was the four 9-0 deck lists from GP Strasburg. So we're going to get to take a look at maybe some trends there. And uh, it's nice that we saw that sort of after we wrote those show notes. And I think it lines up with our feelings with what is successful in this format. Well, and also that you largely wrote these show notes. And I, I had not read the show notes when I started doing my sealed testing. And then after doing seven or eight seals, I read the show notes and you and I had come to a lot of the same conclusions independently, which also feels pretty good. Yeah, that's a pretty big relief, I think. Um, so moving from that discussion from like, well, figuring out what your base two color pair is going to be. And if you can have a straight two color deck, I think that's really where you want to be. And that brings me to sort of my struggle. And we had a conversation about this earlier in the week when you were just sort of starting to dip your toe into sealed. But we had a conversation about consistency versus power level. And, you know, I feel like in the abstract or in my experiences with sealed, people often ask like, you know, well, I'm playing a GP. What what should I do for sealed? When I've opened no sealed pools or done no sealed prep since pre-release weekend, my answer is always like open bombs, play your bombs, play your removal. Sort of like that's what you're told to do. And I've often found a lot of my best cards sitting on the sidelines in favor for a more streamlined two-color deck with a curve. Beyond the times when you open a fairly straightforward pool, you're going to have a number of different options, and I would recommend a deck that has a pretty clear game plan and ticks the sort of usual boxes that you see when you want a draft deck. You know, like you want early plays, you want win conditions, you want removal or tempo or bounce or whatever, and you want some form of card advantage, I think. I would agree with all that. I would say in, in my sealed pools, the thing that I finally started doing after a while, if I didn't have good rares, the first thing I would do is go to my gold cards And I would look to see if I had a high density of gold cards in any guild. And if I did, I would try to build that guild first because frequently that would lead to the most consistent, powerful deck if I had a high density of gold cards. Right, because beyond, you know, your busted rares or whatever, the multicolored cards in in this format in particular, because they exist not only uncommon, but common are going to be the next most powerful cards in your pool. So if you find that you've got like, 10 Simic cards, you should probably try and build that deck. Even if like two of them are growth spirals or whatever, which may not be quite on plan with like a Simic tempo beatdown deck. But like, I just think that sort of consistency of I have this density in this color pair, that's going to make your deck better, I think. So talk to me a little bit about why the gates are so often dictating what is possible for you to build. Well, I think frequently, you know, what we talked about a little bit ago, I find myself sure on a straight two color deck. So then you're splashing. And if you still really want to have a consistent mana base, which I think is super important, you know, if you're trying to do well across a whole eight rounds, nine rounds of sealed, if you don't have a mana base, at some point, you're going to pick up losses due to your mana base. And you definitely want to avoid that as much as possible. So then if you're looking to splash a third color, you need fixing, which means your guild gates need to line up either with the base color pair that you're playing. Or for example, if you're base gruel and you want to splash some black cards, you really, really hope you've got some Rakdos guild gates in your pile. And sometimes, you know, if you're looking at decks, you just have to build a slightly lower power level deck in colors where your guild gates are so that you've got fixing to have a consistent mana base. Because, you know, maybe you're giving up some raw power level in in card quality, but there's also power level in your mana base or consistency in your mana base. And I think that's really important in this format. Right. And I think another consideration with running gates is what we've been talking about, you know, every week since this format has come out. What is that a lot of the most powerful cards you have access to are the uncommon gate payoffs. And so not only are the gates making your mana more consistent, but if you can sort of 
maximize the number of gates that you are allowed to play in your deck, that's going to make your Gate Colossus the best that it can be. That's going to make your Archway Angel the best that it can be, or your Ram. Gate Colossus is a house in Sealed. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. I really think you want to build multiple decks to their conclusion. And we've talked about this before when we've briefly talked about Sealed. I think there can be a habit of like, well, I built my first deck, right? The the deck that I felt like was my first instinct. I built that. And now, well, I'll check out what I think this other deck might look like. And about halfway through, you just go, ah, I'm going to give up. And this doesn't look as good. I really think you want to force yourself to like, Get to the 22, 23 playables, figure out your mana base, click save, because you don't know if, yeah, maybe that deck isn't a great deck to start with, but it might end up being a good deck for the matchup. And for Magic Online specifically, to be able to just go and click on that as the deck you want to play in game two or game three, I think it's really important to have those different builds at your disposal. I would absolutely agree. And I, you know, even go so far as sleeving up multiple decks for the GP. That is my plan this weekend for sure. I think another thing to think about is you want to prioritize ways to get value. So beyond, you know, a consistent mana base, playing as many powerful cards as you can, playing as much removal as you can. I think the next thing that I'm hoping to get is cards that are generating multiple cards worth of value for just just the one card. So, you know, I think we've talked about lockets going up in value. Blade Juggler, I don't know how it could possibly be better in sealed, but it sort of sometimes feels like it is better in sealed than it is in draft. It's so good. Yeah. What other sorts of things jump out at you in this format as like, oh, that's that's good value. That's something I'm looking for as a two for one. Dead Rebels is pretty great, especially if you've got Blade Jugglers. But even if you don't have Blade Jugglers, just being able to trade early on and then Dead Rebels to get back two creatures is a really good way to pull ahead in a game of sealed. Orzov, as it is in draft, is super strong because of the afterlife mechanic. You know, again, trading off and having one one spirits left laying around is a great way to get an advantage. Carnival Carnage is a card I've been a lot happier with being able to mind draw your opponent. Have them discard two cards, turn on spectacle, maybe to double spell with, you know, uh, skewer the critics or something is very, very powerful. Sphinx's insight gets a lot better, Uh, although I've been liking that more and more and more in draft, too, as the format goes on. Well, and as Dovin's Acuity becomes solidly my favorite card in the format. Oh, yeah. Me too, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, the CCDD cards that just sort of are inherent two for ones like Basilica Bellhaunt, making your opponent discard, Rakdos Firewheeler, being able to pick off a creature, Frilled Mystic, countering something and then leaving behind a body. All of those things are are cards that I'm going to be pretty actively trying to find a build to maximize their potential. Yeah. And those CCDD cards are tough, right? Because you have to open the two and three drops to support them. But if you do have the other cards to go around those CCDD cards and you can play a straight two color deck, I think those decks are some of the best things you can be doing. Yeah. I mean, I just think consistency is key for me in this format. That's my biggest takeaway. And I, I got to shout out uh, Sparrows Rum, who's another streamer on Twitch who lurks in my chat a lot. And I early on in my sealed testing was like, I had some pool and I think I built an Esper deck and I think I O2'd with it in the first game. And then he was like, this is the build I think you should do. And it was just like red green commons splashing two Chillbringers. And I was like, this does not look good to me. This seems like very much at odds with how I feel like Esper is the best, you know, shard or wedge or whatever it is in this sealed environment because it just gives you all the good two for ones and all the good value and access to the good rares if you open them. And I was like, but I'm going to try this out and see how it goes. And it went 4080 in the next four rounds. Wow. I am also way more about gruel in sealed. Yeah, I don't know what it is. And another uh, member of our uh, Discord community, Brazen Dog, talked about how when she was battling in 
GP New Jersey that a lot of the decks she faced were just gruel beatdown decks. And I was shocked to hear that, but it makes so much sense. Like those decks are pretty powerful and can end the games in a hurry. And you punish people that are trying to mess around and do like five color play all my good card stuff. I, exactly. I have had I have had no success with four to five color nonsense at all in sealed. I'm too scared to run it, even if I feel like I've got a you know a somewhat reasonable build or a somewhat stable mana base. It just never feels as good as a, a weaker but more consistent two color build. I would agree. Now, even when you're running these you know streamlined or you know more assertive curve out two color decks that I think you and I are inclined to be happy with if we can get them in sealed, are you choosing to play or draw first? I'm drawing first almost exclusively in sealed. The extra card is too valuable, and the odds that you're going to get run over, I think, are slim to none. And if you find yourself in that matchup, great, then choose to be on the play in game two if you lose game one because you were on the draw and your opponent you know, just beat you down with some sick Rakdos deck or something. But uh, other than that, I think being on the play in sealed is great. Just getting the extra draw, and if you do have to mulligan, you know, being able to draw immediately and go back up to seven on your first turn is huge when i am on the draw and my opponent takes a mulligan i feel like i can't lose yeah i have a very similar feeling and i think there are ways to catch up from being behind on that mana and i think the fact that you're running lockets main and they're at common really helps to shore that up sometimes so you can feel like well i can still get to my my good stuff my five drops at the same time as my opponent i think that's a a big factor as well but yeah all the things you said about it makes your draws better it makes your opponent's draws worse when they mulligan on the play and you're on the draw and you keep it just feels like a pretty huge advantage you've started the game with a divination basically Right. And I mean, you know, if you've got an aggressive Rakdos build, like a true aggressive Rakdos build where you've got like seven, eight, two drops, you've got a few blade jugglers, maybe that deck wants to be on the play. You know, it's not a hard and fast rule, but I would say, you know, 75 to 80 percent of the time, you definitely want to be on the draw, maybe even higher than that. Yeah, I don't know. It still feels like the upside of being able to like punish your opponents just still seems good like i don't think they're going to be able to really like stabilize that much against a true aggressive deck but you know maybe maybe the one in i don't know 20 30 pools where that deck exists yeah sure you want to want to be on the play most of the time there's a lot of factors to consider especially post game one for figuring out what you want to do you know do you feel like you're the beatdown of the control in the matchup do you have a lot of turn two plays is your mana solid or sketchy do you have acceleration do you have card draw or inherent two for ones all of those i think are going to help you decide whether or not you should be on the play or the draw in the matchup right and if you're solidly the beatdown you probably want to be on the play if you've got a lot of turn two plays that almost makes me want to be on the draw a little bit more unless they're really aggressive turn two plays that's a ben s thing i feel like i've picked up from watching his stream and i think from like his not most recent but second to most recent episode on limited resources um was that you know if you've got a lot of good early plays like you know one mana removal spells or two mana removal spells and and two drops that like being on the draw is actually pretty good for those decks whereas i feel like before i would think well that makes me want to be on the play and i think that that makes a lot of sense because like that extra card is going to help you out and you're going to be able to like match up well with your opponent's plays if they happen to have a nut curve on you. Right. And if your mana sketchy, you definitely want to lean towards being on the draw because the mulligans are so punishing when you're on the play. If you've got acceleration, that's another reason to be on the draw, right? Because your acceleration can catch you back up. And then maybe if you have a bunch of card draw, that might be a reason you might want to be on the play, right? Sphinx's insight is better if you're not behind and you're, you're more likely to be ahead if you take the play. 
Right. But Sphinx's Insight in particular, I feel like, doesn't quite make me want to do that just because it's four mana. But the danger for something like a three mana draw to like Divination is that if it's the first spell you play, it's going to be pretty punishing on the draw, right? Because you're going to have to discard. But on the play, you won't. This uh, idea of building multiple decks, I think, ties into having a plan against multiple decks as well. So when you, you know, are out of game one, and you're thinking about what your opponent did, you know, are they in the aggro camp and what is the flavor of aggro is it rakdos with small creatures and a lot of blade jugglers is it gruel with a lot of big creatures and savage smashes is it simic with a lot of bounce or are you playing against an afterlife strategy an esper strategy that's playing a lot of flyers and maybe has a dead rebels and an ill-gotten inheritance i I think iggy control or iggy aggro is sort of like an archetype in and of itself in sealed or at least that has been my experience sometimes in both playing against and playing with that card and that it can provide me a good bit of power uh even if i don't get that from my my rares say yeah i've i've actually liked ill-gotten inheritance a little bit less in sealed than in draft mostly because i don't feel like you get focused aggressive decks quite as much yeah, I guess maybe it's better if you get multiple copies of it and maybe just a lone Iggy doesn't have much of a place in a control deck. But if you can get like two or three, I think maybe then then that could just become your game plan. Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't had a pool with multiple yet. If your pool is not immediately clear to you, uh, I would say look for kinds of decks like try to build a gruel beatdown deck. You know, that's going to have a lot of two drops. And if you've got the Savage Smashes or, you know, the poor man Savage Smash and Titanic Brawl, that can be quite effective. If you've got blue bounce, then maybe try and build towards a Simic Tempo deck or an Azorius Tempo deck if you can. You know, there's a lot of different styles of decks, but they're going to feel, I think, a bit more archetypal and sealed than they are going to feel like, oh, I'm building around this card, right? You can't really build a high alert deck and sealed very often like the pieces really have to come together and then if they do that deck is going to be apparent the things that i think are really tough about this sealed format or that i've been struggling a lot with is when that doesn't happen when you have this like really hard puzzle i don't feel like i know what is the best build to start with or what sort of cards i should be trying to optimize or if i should be favoring like we talked about earlier power level versus consistency i feel like i have a good answer for that but you know there's a lot of factors to think about when you're when you're trying to build these non-intuitive decks yeah i would agree with all that i frequently find myself leaning simic uh, quite a bit in the seals i've done and i've played against a lot of base simic as well just because like soriform hybrid and aramunculus and even skitter eel like all at common are just such great mana sinks late in the game and they let you play a good curve all of which is something you want to do i think in this format yeah i mean you think about also blue providing some good card draw chillbringer is another great common like blue's got a pretty good roster of commons which i think we're gonna get to in a little bit here but there's a lot of uh, good things that blue offers in terms of what it can do in sealed yeah but I think, you know, ultimately, if I were choosing what I got to open, I would want to open a really good Esper sealed deck. Yeah. And why is that? Uh, it's really got the best cards like bombs, period, ethereal absolution. Uh, I have done a lot of losing to that card. I think I played it once in every in every sealed deck that I opened, at least in one of the five rounds. Yeah. There's lots of two for ones. There's dead revels. There's Sphinx's insight. There's multiple ways to two for one your opponent. There's Basilica Bell Haunt. It gets access to all the best removal. Mortify at Uncommon gives you main deck enchantment hate that, you know, you're happy running anyway because it kills creatures. So all of that together, I think, adds up to, as it is in draft, being the best. But I have found it tough to get there. I've only played Esper 
once or twice. I don't think it's super common to get all that stuff lined up well. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, also like I just think sealed is such a, a crapshoot. I mean, even between what we have 20 sealed pools between us. And I think you and I have just had vastly different experiences in terms of what has been available to us to build. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, I just think that is it's just interesting. I just wonder what like what what do you, what is a good sample size for sealed? It has to be astronomical, right? But I do feel I will say I do feel way more prepared after doing the nine seals I've done. Like I went back and looked at my first sealed and there are a lot of cards that I didn't have that I think are better in sealed now that I would have played or I think I misbuilt a little bit uh, my first sealed especially. And I, I feel a lot more comfortable and I feel quicker at doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. So you've got a sort of list of, of thoughts here from from your week of pain. What, what, what do you got for us? <laughs> yeah, I, I think white's commons are really shallow for sealed. Uh, it was tough to end up base white. I splashed white a fair amount. But really, like if you think white commons, summary judgment's the only one you're really happy about. Impassioned orders, okay. Syndicate messengers, okay. And then if you, you, know, you get into the gold cards, you're a lot more excited about some of that stuff. But frequently, I found myself splashing the white X gold cards and not playing white as a base color. Yeah, I think I agree with that for sure. Impassion Order feels like it's markedly worse in sealed than it is in draft. Why is that? So I was just trying to think about an answer because I knew you would ask me. Um, I think that it doesn't line up well against Azorius or Orzov, it feels like. And you're probably not going to be able to maximize it as like a two drop. You know, like you're not going to be curving out most of the time in a white deck. I feel like the white decks are more about like stabilizing and winning in the air. And then against Simic or Gruul, they're just gonna out-tempo or out-big that card where the one life isn't gonna matter. It feels like the only matchup where it's good is against Rakdos. Right. Where like the the incremental three life you might gain is relevant or it being able to just trade off with Plague White is relevant. Right. Yeah, I've had that same experience with the card. I've not been thrilled with it. Uh, on the other hand, speaking of things I have been thrilled with, Blue's commons have been insanely deep. I've, I've played Blue a lot. Almost all of my seals have had Blue either as a splash or as a base color. Yeah, I mean, Sages or Savant, there's another two drop, I feel like on the other end of the spectrum that I feel like gets better in sealed. I'm much happier to have something on to do on turn two, that it's going to set up my draws pretty effectively. Yeah, I think there are a number of blues commons that get a lot better in sealed. That uh, Skitter Eel has been crazy impressive. Thought Collapsed, Counterspells just in general get way better in sealed. And I've even been pretty happy running up Prying Eyes if I don't have better ways to get card advantage. Are you happy with the card Quench in a general sense? Oh my god. I am like a notorious complainer if you've not gotten that from the podcast yet. I have an emote that's like Ben Warney, why me? But like I have gotten got by Quench <laughs> an astronomical amount in this format. And I, I started posting in Discord and tagging Ethan. And I think like maybe he's starting to believe me a little bit now. It's unreal. It's so funny. What was the one where oh you gave Senate Courier Vigilance and then they cast something, you cast Frilled Mystic to counter it with one mana left open, and then they quenched your Frilled Mystic. Right. In Sealed. That, that which, was the most savage sequence of events. Yeah, and then and then the other one I posted was like, my opponent on four color control, <laughs> like in their, it's like Rakdos Guildgate, Gruul Guildgate, Orzov Guildgate Island, some other land, and I got quenched somehow out of that pile of cards. You just got to play around it, man. Oh, just man. Always, just always leave two mana up. What can I tell you? It's unreal. 
Anyway, glad to get that off my chest. Yeah. I feel like a little, little therapy session there. Good. The other, like I had talked about this earlier, but really looking for a high density of gold commons. Like if I've got eight gruel commons sitting there, great. Like that probably means I have some savage mashes. That probably means I have some rubble belt runners. And that probably means I'm going to have a good curve because a lot of the gold commons are two drops, three drops, four drops. So that's a great place to go and look and see if you have a deck. And I think if I can get any two color deck with like reasonable card quality, that's what I'm running in the sealed format at this point. Yeah. I, I just think that that consistency is so important. And I'm not really sure why. Is it just because that's what the meta is? Like, would it be different if the meta were people doing like greedy five color pools? Yeah, but it doesn't feel like I thought there was just like this gentleman's agreement in sealed that that's what you were supposed to do, like a little no rush magic. Yeah. But that has not been the case. My opponents have been curving out and playing creatures and crushing me when I try to do that. Yeah, it's so weird. When did Sealed become an aggro format? I don't know. But so my my next bullet, speaking of, is having good, bold, underlined italics. Good. <laughs> Two and three drop creatures seems to be crazy important. I think Soraform Hybrid is one of the best cards you can have in your Sealed pool, like behind Blade Juggler. And every card with Adapt, you know, Aramunculus, Skitter Eel, just anywhere to dump your mana and affect the board early with a relevant creature is so, so, so good. Yeah, I agree 100%. And almost all of my losses outside of Ethereal Absolution, I'm, I'm two and four against Ethereal Absolution, based it six times in my nine seal pools, were to good two color decks that had just a great creature curve and had good removal and ways to interact with me. You know, they just went two drop into three drop into, you know, remove your creature into another creature into removal spell, like and just played good, clean, old fashioned magic, just like dudes, removals, card draw and consistency. It wasn't often to flashy bombs or or it would be like those things like two drop, three drop into, you know, a biogenic ooze or two drop, three drop into whatever, some pretty impactful card. But the reason I lost was that they had impacted the board before that, and I was too far behind to catch up. Right. It could have just been a rampaging Renhorn on five. It, like yes. The, the thing wasn't about the power of the bomb. It was about the fact that that bomb was backed up by this really consistent start. Yes. Yeah, that has been my experience as well. Uh, and my, my last thing here we've already discussed was just that I think ill-gotten inheritance is a little bit worse in sealed yeah. and draft. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, definitely if you've only got the one. And I still feel like maybe there's a, a game plan there with, with multiples. So we've got a little list here of the top 10 cards that we think get better in sealed than in draft. So just to maybe think about adjusting your evaluations of them as you move into sealed from draft like like we do. What's uh, what's on this list in no particular order? Uh, number one, we got Prying Eyes. Yeah. Number two, Thought Collapse. Counterspells are just great. Well, not Quench. They're great against Ben, but Thought, <laughs> thought Collapse is great. And I do think Thought Collapse is probably just better than Essence Capture in Sealed. It might just be better in general. I think that's probably true. But I think in Sealed for sure. Yeah. Next on this list, Skitter Eel. This card has been very impressive for me and very impressive for my opponents. Just it almost reads 3-3 unblockable the turn after it comes down, which is pretty good in Sealed, especially if you've gone, you know, creatures in front of it. And the ability to adapt it and turn it into a 5-5 either that turn or whenever you want is just a powerful place to put mana. Consigned to the Pit is a card that I am so rarely excited to play in draft i don't think i've put it in almost any of my decks like i'd say less than five probably but in sealed i'm happy to have access to it you know there's not a lot of six drops that you're like super excited to play and being able to just have something in your deck that can kill a thing dead no matter what and that incidental two damage if you are sort of living the uh, more consistent 
assertive deck lifestyle is actually pretty relevant. Yeah, I've been very happy with one copy and I think I would probably play two or three if I had the slots for it. Yeah, right. If you didn't have like, I feel like if I had, I'd want to play maybe a debtor's transport if I had that too. But yeah, I mean, if I, if nothing else is competing for that slot, I'm not mad about playing two for sure. Right. And I, I have not, I don't think ever been happy with that card in my deck and draft. Never. No. Dead Revels is another one on this list. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Just it's very good in draft. It's even better in sealed. Yeah, it feels really bad to have your opponent cast that because it's it's just like it feels bad already when they crack a locket or cast Sphinx's Insight. But this you just know it's two gas cards. It's rough. It's rough to, to see this resolve. You got Burning Tree Vandal on this list up next. Well, what do you like about Burning Tree Vandal? Yeah, this card's just been going up for me in general, even in draft as well. But in sealed, you know, I really want good two and three drop creatures. The best I can get on curve. And I think Burning Tree Vandal is one of the best things you can do in a red in a red deck, either Rakdos or Gruul, because both of those decks don't have quite as many places to put mana. So mm-hmm. being able to control the amount of lands you draw and make sure you know you cap out at six or whatever the number is that you want to cap out at is pretty powerful. I think this card's good if you get a rummage with it once and anything past that, it turns into almost like Blade Juggler quality for me. Yeah, I think I'm coming around to that for sure. The thing that has impressed me most about this card is how often I want to give it haste and how often I don't want my opponents to give it haste. Yeah. You know, them getting that immediate value or me getting that immediate value has felt a lot better than I thought it would. Open the Gates is up next. I love this card. And this is one of the cards I look for first in my sealed pools. Like after I'm looking at Gates, I'm like, well... What's green looking like and how many open the gates do I have? And when I don't have any, I feel pretty bummed because I feel like it limits a lot of your options. You know, uh, having one open the gates in your deck um, is very, very helpful to giving you a consistent splash. I would add Gateway Plaza to that as well. Yeah. Oh, man. Gateway Plaza feels like such a cheat. Extra gates. It really is strong. Yeah. Next on this list is Steeple Creeper. I've been so impressed with this card. You know, speaking of good two and three drop creatures, I think this is one of the better three drops you can have in green. The four two body is super punishing if your opponent ever stumbles on mana. I think in sealed, your opponents aren't playing as many two mana two twos or two mana two ones or whatever. So because they're trying to maximize the more powerful cards in their deck, or at least that was a mistake I was making early on. And I just kept getting smashed by Steeple Creeper. And then once it's an unfavorable trade for you, you just hangs around. It trades up as a blocker. And then if you ever have extra mana laying around, you can pump four mana into it. And four power in the air flying for four mana is a pretty fast clock if you can afford to pay for it. Definitely a notch below, but I still think a good three drop in this format is Sylvan Brushstrider. Three, two, gain two just has felt good enough on all fronts like having the the little bit of higher power being able to give you that little bit of extra life if you are racing i just think it's a a solid card that definitely gets better in sealed than draft yeah it's just a nice little safety blanket a little warm fuzzy feeling (laughs) when you see that card in your opener you know okay i'm not gonna die right away (laughs) and last on the list sphinx of the guild pack that's the seven mana five five hex proof from monocolored cards with flying and it's just a it's a very real win condition in sealed i've not been super impressed with it in draft but it has been scary sometimes sometimes the opponent just doesn't have answers for it in their sealed pool yeah i mean a, a colorless win condition that's a, what it's one of the reasons why gate colossus is just so busted like colorless win conditions in sealed that aren't rare feel pretty good to have access to they're like no-brainer includes yeah and speaking of 
Gate Colossus, I think you're going to be playing against that card if you're going deeper into the rounds. So you need to have some way to combat that, what we talked about from the sideboarding episode last week, whether it's a Carrion Imp or, you know, some way to get that thing out of the graveyard or Sky Tethers it or something. That, that's something I would be keeping in mind when I'm building my sealed pool. That's very, very smart. Well, speaking of building your sealed pool, let's, let's take a look here. So we're going to have these links available to you all below the episode. Um, so if you're following along at home. We'll do our best to uh, illuminate what we're looking at here for folks who aren't taking a look at the images, um, but those are available to you if you want. So this was a sealed pool that I had that I thought was particularly interesting. This is one of my more difficult ones. Um, so taking a look at the pool, some cards that jump out to me of like, these are the most powerful cards that I should maybe be trying to play or or trying to maximize. I've got a Seraph of the Scales. That's the the mythic 4-3 flyer with uh, Afterlife 2. To go along with some good black-white cards, I've got uh, Consecrate Consume. I have Revival Revenge. Revenge is a nasty card in Sealed. It's so strong. Yeah, this is my first time playing it was in this pool, and I was very impressed by it. I've got a Consecrate Consume, so a lot of good Orzhov action. I also have two Sunder Shamans backed Ooh. up by a Savage Smash and two Rubble Belt Runners, which are nothing to write home about. But, you know, again, you just want two twos and three threes to, to curve out to. So I was noticing that I have a Bedeck Bedevil, which can go either into my Gruul build or my Orzhov build. So those are sort of the cards that jumped out to me initially. So I actually ended up building three different decks. The first thing that I built was a, a Gruul deck and I did go just straight Gruul, but I do have a Gatebreaker Ram in the pool. So I did end up playing my one Gruul Guildgate and three Simic Guildgates just to try to maximize that. Where are you at with like Gatebreaker Ram, no other gate payoffs? How many gates are you willing to play for it? Slash, how much do you feel like that impacts your deck for like the potential of just this three mana four four? Uh, I would play as many gates as I had that were half on color. Are you not worried about that impacting your ability to go two drop, three drop, four drop? No. Okay. You're playing as many gates because I got a lot of pushback on Twitter when I was trying to figure out Gruul a few weeks ago of running four Gruul guild gates in my Gruul deck. Well, and you and you had Gatebreaker Ram? No, I didn't have Gatebreaker Ram. Oh, well, if I didn't have Gatebreaker Ram, then I'm not doing that. But for Gatebreaker, I see you're saying, but so for Ram, you feel like you don't care about the potential for like, maybe I'm going to like have some awkward tapped land turn. Right. I think that I think that cost is worth paying. But just in a straight gruel deck, I, I think two is the number I would want. I think that's generally what Frank Karsten's mana articles have said is the optimal number. Yeah, All right. that makes sense to me. For sure. Yeah, I think Gatebreaker Ram is, is probably worth warping your mana around for that. But then what's the minimum? Like, let's say you only had three. Is it worth it to play those like off color gates for Ram there? Yeah, four is where I really start to feel good about it for some reason. Yeah. I don't yeah, have any any rational explanation for that other than <laughs> that's what feels right to me. Yeah. So the scroll deck is like nothing special. I think it's just sort of a great example of what we're talking about in terms of like this just has like a good curve. You know, it's sort of lacking in two drops. It's not doesn't quite get there on early plays. Um, but it's got, you know, the double Sunder Shaman is very attractive to me. The Savage Smash and the uh, the deck. As nice removal, it's got a couple tricks in Stony Strength and Storm Strike, uh, but not like a super impressive deck by by any stretch of the imagination. That, I'm, when I'm looking at that Gruul deck there, that, that looks great to me. That I looks mean, great to you. Well, yeah, if you like I mean, that, compared to some compared to some of my last pools, I you know that curve looks good. The removal it looks a little removal light to me, maybe. Uh, so you have Savage Smash. You have the I've got Savage Smash, Bedeck Bedevil, Scorch Mark as my removal removal. 
Right. And then like Storm Strike and Stony Strength as ways to interact. Right. So it's a little bit light on removal, but just the creature quality and the double Sunder Shaman is so strong. Yeah. So that was my initial build. And then I was like, well, I want to see what, what Black White looks like. And it actually was pretty deep. I was impressed. I didn't I was anticipating needing to dip into a second color and I didn't feel like I, I needed to. Um, the deck has two Imperious Oligarchs. It's got double Orzov Locket, double Senate Griffin. It's got the Consecrate Consume, the Revival Revenge, the Seraph of the Scales that we talked about. Um, one Orzov Guildgate. Uh, it's got Dead Revels as well as another two for one. So I, I really feel like this deck just like ticked all the boxes to me. It's got a good bit of removal a ton of ways to generate value over multiple turns. Like it also has a good curve. I've got five, two drops, uh, four of which I'm like pretty happy with. And then I've got a Concordia Pegasus there to, to help blade juggler get in on turn three when I need to. This deck to me just looks rock solid and is a, a very strong Orzov deck in my opinion. So yeah, I think this deck looks really good. Also, again, it's a little light on removal. I think, I guess you've consigned to the pit and consecrate consume, maybe missing like a grotesque demise or two to really feel safe. I guess you've got the bedeck to kind of take the grotesque demise slot. Yeah, I agree, right? It's only got like three removal spells. I definitely felt very aware of the fact that I had to use these pretty sparingly. Like I was hoping that my afterlife creatures and then like cleaned up by dead rebels could take care of the stuff. And then for the stuff I really needed to worry about, that's when I would need to fire off those removal spells. Right. So you can't be firing those off willy nilly. No, for sure. And I think that's something to be aware of when you've got only three versus when you do have like five to six or when you've got like a good density or when you only have the one thing that's catch all. Like I only have consigned to the pit. That's my only way to be like this thing. I need it to die. It's going to die now because even consume is kind of situational. Right. So, yeah. All these things to be aware of. And then, you know, I had good fixing. I felt like I had powerful cards. I did go ahead and build just a gate deck, a five color deck as Archway Angel and Gatebreaker Ram as the gate payoffs. The mana didn't even seem that bad to me, but I am running two Cerulean Caretakers in this deck. Yikes. So, which, you know, I think is better in sealed than it is in draft. I think if you have the power level to make up for the fact that you're running this nonsense card, you can get there. But it just didn't seem like this deck was worth it at all to me versus the consistency of the two previous decks. Right. I've played decks that look similar to this and I've had no success with them. Yeah. Um, so I started with black white every match. I chose to draw first in the dark every match. I only sided into the red green deck once against a like fairy duelist bant deck because I felt like my Orzhov decks, my Orzhov cards were getting crushed by fairy duelists and I didn't feel like that was going to be the case in rule. Um, and that ended up working out pretty well for me. And I went 4-1, only losing to an Esper deck with ill-gotten inheritance that I wasn't really equipped to deal with. I've been even more impressed with fairy duelist in sealed also now that I'm thinking about it. Because yeah. I feel like so often the games come down to... Like they stall out a little bit and the board tends to get clogged until somebody gets a threat that's good enough to attack. And then either like if you're the attacker, you have a fairy duelist to blow out your opponent's double block or as the blocker, you have a fairy duelist to shrink your opponent's attacker and make their attack unfavorable again. That card's been pretty impressive. Yeah, in draft, I feel more inclined to just fire it off on turn two. Like if they don't end up making the attack or whatever. But in sealed, I feel much more inclined to be like, no, I can get value from this. I'm going to wait. Like, I don't think the incremental one point of damage over the next few turns is going to matter as much as me 
having the potential to nab an entire card from my opponent. Right. I've also got a sealed build here to check out. Uh, I don't have a nice clean picture of my pool, but in this imager link, I've got all three of the decks I built. And I think you can sort of get, there's enough of the pool. I always screenshot my sideboard when I take screenshots of my deck. So I think between the three pictures, you can see all the cards that are in the pool there. So this was, I think, a tough pool to build. Some of the most powerful cards I had in the pool that stood out, Mass Manipulation, I think number one, uh, but that has some severe deck building restrictions as the four blue, 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 as it were. Yeah. And then Tome of the Guild Pact in there, Electrodominance, Spawn of Mayhem, Verity Circle. So I had like my rares were all good playable cards. Uh, some standout uncommons, Mortify, Trollbred Guardian, Hackerbat. And then if we start to dip into the commons, two times Soraform Hybrid and two times Law Mages Binding. I also had a Blade Juggler. Anytime I've got Soraform Hybrids, I'm looking to try to play them at this point. Yeah, the card is really good. And I think it's even better in sealed because you often have the chance to pump the six man into it more so than in draft even. Mm hmm. And your opponent is going to be less equipped to deal with those cards. You know, like they need to save their removal for your bombs. Like, I don't want to fire my consign to the pit off on your two drop. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so then if we take a look at the guild gates, uh, so those rares are pretty spread out across colors, right? Mass manipulations, four blue, electrodominance, double red, spawn of mayhem, double black. So unlikely I'm going to be able to find a deck where I'm playing all three of those cards. Um, so if I took a look at my guild gates, I had an Orzov guild gate, two Gruul guild gates, two Rakdos guild gates, and a Simic guild gate, which doesn't line up super favorably for me to be able to play those rares in the same decks. Like those are very jund centric and mass manipulation is very not jund centric. Right. Um, and then I had a Rakdos locket and a Simic locket. So my fixing didn't really line up with where my best cards were in this pool, unfortunately. Um, so the first thing I built was Esper because I thought mass manipulation and spawn of mayhem were my two best cards. And it just sort of has some sketchy mana, which I don't think is where you want to be, which is why this deck did a lot of losing. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that I notice in this build is that there's one gate and you've sort of got not quite a devil's mana base here, but it looks like you don't quite have enough sources of any color. You know, it looks like you're just like one shy of all three of them of what you would like, you know. Right. It's not quite as bad as it looks. I have 10 blue. So I have eight islands, 10 blue from an Azorius locket and a tome. Tome helps out a little bit, but that's not coming down till turn five. And then I have six white. So an Orzhov Guildgate, three planes, an Azorius locket and the tome contributing to the six white. And then eight black sort of counting tome as one of the black sources, which was really where it was bad, especially for the spawn of mayhem. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, counting tome feels a little bit of a stretch, but but I hear that for sure. Yeah. And the thing, the other thing that I'm noticing in the context of what we've been talking about is the lack of plays before turn three. Well, I'm surprised you haven't commented on how terrible my screenshot is with the, the cost sorting yet. Well, oh, God. Oh, God, I just so, noticed. What is wrong with you? So, how, so. How, is, how does this help you? How does Sage's Rosavant make it into the three drop slot? <laughs> I, was, I was shocked that that wasn't the first thing you noticed. Well, now it's all I can see. <laughs> so for anybody that's not noticing, what happened was before I saved this, I didn't notice at the time. I always cost sort or I always split my creatures by converted mana cost. And so somehow my creatures and my spells had gotten one off from each other. So when I combined like slime bind as a two drop ended up in my one drop slot with Twilight Panther and then all my three drop spells ended up with all my two drop creatures. So everything's one off. This is horrifying. <laughs> so anyway, this deck's got good removal. It's got good cards. It's got double law mages binding. It's got very verity circle. It's got eyes everywhere. Another card I think gets a little bit better in sealed. 
because the scry one is relevant over the course of the game. Being able to steal your opponent's bomb is great. And even if you ever get ahead, even if they're playing blue, just forcing them to constantly trade back and forth is pretty nice. Yeah, I can see that. The, the one thing what, about this deck was the mana was so inconsistent and I didn't have great early plays that I was frequently behind. And Spawn of Mayhem was actually just like a giant liability when I was behind. Like I did not want to be playing a good card that dealt one damage to me every turn. So Spawn of Mayhem was actually not good. And that was sort of the reason for warping the mana base. So that ended up just not being a very good deck. And I didn't realize that until after playing with it. Uh, the next deck I built was Jund, which got to play Electrodominance, Trollbred Guardian, Blade Juggler, a much better home for Spawn of Mayhem. I was almost base black green splashing red, but I had enough guild gates. I had the double gruel guild gate and the double Rakdos guild gate plus a Rakdos locket that I just sort of got there on about eight plus sources of all the colors anyway. And this deck looked really solid, had double Dead Revels. I think initially I was thinking, I probably didn't play this deck enough. I played it maybe one round of the five. And I think looking at it now, it looks a lot better to me now after having tested the seal format than it did at the time. It's got 15 creatures. And I also have two biogenic upgrades in my sideboard, which is another card I've been a little more impressed with in sealed. So I think just all in all, I probably should have played this deck more than I did. And I, this deck looks much better to me looking at it now. Yeah, it's so funny. I was just thinking like, if I hadn't played any sealed and looking at that Esper deck that you posted, I would have been like, this deck looks great. You have bombs, you have removal, you have two for ones like you're playing your best cards yeah the mana looks sketchy but you'll be fine but this deck looks way more like what i want to be doing in this format yeah and i and i did i had that same thing like this was the very first pool i built and this has double soriform hybrid also i don't know if i mentioned that or not but that's super strong as well yeah and and it has the dagger dagger caster blade brand combo to just mize with which i think is worth worth something yeah for sure i think that this idea that you have here of being basically base black green and like splashing some red is something to keep in mind that we haven't really touched on yet that I think is going to come up for some non-zero number of sealed pools where like your best build based on your gates and how your gold cards shake out might be like blue black splashing white or something like this like black green splashing red so like don't be afraid to look at being a base guilds of Ravnica color pair as well if you feel like you can maximize your your cards or your gates or your splash in, in a way that is beneficial but I think when that's most going to come up is when you have powerful single colored cards in yes. two in two colors that are not a supported guild which was the case here like i had the soraform hybrids and yet i also had the dead rebels that were great and i had spawn of mayhem that really incentivized me to be base black and yeah. then electro dominance as the splash you know i still had like seven or eight red sources but i didn't need to hit those till later when i really wanted to cast electro dominance you know for x equals four or x equals five right you're only playing two multicolored cards in this deck Mm -hmm. And then the last build was one I actually didn't see at first that was suggested to me by Machine Schooling, who's uh, always around on Twitch and is a great magic player, uh, really value his opinion highly. And this was Bant was what he suggested. Uh, and I think this is a, just a better version of the Esper deck I tried to mm -hmm. build, like as a similar game plan type deck, but just a way more consistent mana base. So again, I didn't have tons of guild gates. I only had the one Simic guild gate, but the splashing is a lot lighter. So I'm only splashing for the two times law mages binding a Sphinx's insight and the Azorius Knight Arbiter. So it's a way lighter splash 
and is way uh, the mana base is just so much more consistent and then i get to play the two soroform hybrids i have much better early game and a much better curve in this deck and it really maximizes tome of the guild pack there's like one two three four five six seven eight nine ten gold cards here yeah so tome is really going off in this build yeah this deck looks great to me i'm just like thinking about trying to get like maybe one or two more creatures in because it only has 12 it also feels like this deck makes mass manipulation the best like You've got Growth Spiral, which ramps you, Azorius Locket, and Tome that are all going to help you get to like eight mana for that card. Yeah, and I certainly could have played more creatures. And this, again, this was one of the first pools I built. I think creatures are good in the sealed format. I don't know how to explain that, but like, I feel like that goes against uh, whatever sealed instinct or sealed knowledge I think I have. I feel like that goes against it. But like, I'm just in for like, you know, Rampaging Renhorn is a five mana five five in this format. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what what it is about this i feel like there's someone out there who knows why we feel this way and i think we are correct to feel that way i just can't quite back that up with any sort of like sound reasoning yeah just just doing nothing or i what i consistently found myself in the position was when i was building slower dirtier pools with more removal and a lack of a good curve i just found myself behind and then i was having to fire off my grotestomize or law mages binding on whatever derpy two or three drop my opponent was killing me with yeah well actually you know what ben scratch that i think we do have something that we can use to back this up with with a little bit of science which is this twitter post from cfb that we were talking about earlier yeah so we've got access to some pretty clean screenshots of the four decks that nine owed day one at GP Strasbourg. We'll have a link for this tweet out there for you folks when you check out the episode. So we'll just go through these decks one by one and sort of talk about what stands out to us. And this first one from Stefan Fries, Freeze, apologies in advance for any mispronunciation or uh, name garbling that we do here. Uh, he's got a Simic deck with a little light gruel splash for Frenzied Aranx and Rhythm of the Wild. I see Endray's Forerunners at the top end, and then I think no other rares? This is just commons and commons and a shark to crab, and like not really any good removal. There's a Titanic Brawl and a Slime Bind, and then a little bit of bounce with Applied Biomancy and Arrestor's Admonition, and just like just hitting you with creatures, just hitting you with Storeform Hybrid, Aramunculus, Shark to Crab, Chillbringer. Like, this just looks like lean, mean, fighting Simic Machine. Yeah, there's also Growth Chamber Guardian as a rare. Oh, sure. So Soraform's, you know, younger brother. But this is 16 creatures here. Yeah. And I think just removal, combat tricks, interaction. I think that's exactly where I want to be in sealed. I agree. Moving on to the next one. This is an Esper build here with a little bit of red splash from Chang Kyung Kim. So double Imperious Oligarch as good two drops and then a Concordia Pegasus as a not so good two drop. Again, there's again there's 15 creatures here. So a solid number of creatures. Ethereal Absolution in the six drop slot must be nice. And, you know, a bunch of removal. There's Bring to Trial, which I think is very main deckable in sealed in this format if you need to. Uh, Grotestomize, Mortify, and get the point. And then Depose, Deploy as another good trick, way to gain life, stabilize you, and a Dead Rebels to rebuy some bombs. There's also a Seraph of the Scales that's standing out here as another great card. But again, I mean, yeah, th- this looks like a little more bomb-heavy of a sealed pool, but it's got a good curve, it's got creatures, it's got removal. Yeah, this looks like it was maybe stretching to like play the bombs a little bit more to me. Like I'm wondering, like you know, they're playing Get the Point here 
as a, a stretch for the, the fourth color for removal, but also playing Azorius Knight Arbiter and like Azorius Skyguard. Like the mana kind of gets there, but this does look like a, maybe it was a little dicey, but I guess not as a 9-0. And a main deck bring to trial is surprising to me. It's very solidly Orzhov though. Yeah, that's true. And, not, and none of the other stuff's le- needed to late. And they and he has the guild gates to support it. That's true. That's true. Yeah, his mana is very good. Two Azorius guild gates, two Rakdos guild gates, and Gateway Plaza. Yeah, so just three free sources of each of his splashes there. Yeah. Moving on, we see another, surprise, surprise, solid two-color deck here from Elias Clocker. This is Rakdos, but the only thing that really stands out to me is he's splashing for white for his two drops. This is like, I think, the sketchiest of the the four decks we're going to look at. Um, He's got Imperious Oligarch and Syndicate Guildmage in the two-drop slot and not much else. But a ton of removal, double grotesque demise, skewer the critics. He's playing Theater of Horrors, which is probably one of the best cards in his pool. But the creatures, which again, we've got 13 here, not quite 15, but 13 plus a Dead Rebels. Got a pretty good creature count, but it's all just commons, really. You know, Rakdos Roustabout, Spike Wheel Acrobat, Rafter Demon. Like these are not exciting cards to me. Rafter Demon is a card I think that gets better in sealed. I think that also maybe should have made our list. Okay. All right. Uh, Honorable mention for Rafter Demon. I'm not looking to play it, but I think it's certainly better in sealed. Yeah, this deck looks a little sketchier to me, especially with the two drops splash. Other than that, I really like the deck. He really gets to play almost all of his guild gates, and he doesn't have any like gate payoffs. He's just crushing it with the fact that he's got, what, eight nine five as his sources for red black and white respectively which is really impressive yeah but even even with the five white sources you're not often playing oligarch or guild mage on turn two right well especially because two of your white sources are also two of your black sources right yeah and moving on to our last deck here from max pritch we have a super strong looking rakdos deck that has um, some gruel guild gates and a stomping ground to splash thrash threat so standouts looking at this, there's double Rakdos Firewheeler, a really solid looking curve of creatures. There's 14 creatures on curve here, five two drops, oh, six two drops. There's a Plague White hiding in the three drop slot here. They got a little bit of my sorting going on. <laughs> uh, four four drops, the two Firewheelers, Vindictive Vampire and Carrion Imp, and then just a bunch of good removal. There's Scorchmark, Grotestomize, Skewer the Critics, Thrash Threat. Uh, Theater of Horrors is another great way to draw cards. That card's just a stone bomb. And then also clear the stage and flames the raised board, which looked pretty supported for it being Rakdos. There's Debtor's Transport and the two Firewheelers. Yeah, I mean, three creatures. I don't know. It's like pretty supported, but... Well, think about it. It's sort of like a splash. That, that, those cards still sketch me out. Oh, I guess actually Thrash Threat. That's a fourth a fourth uh, way to trigger it with the 4-4. Four, four. Yep. Yeah. This deck looks like maybe the most straightforward of the bunch to me, maybe the Simic deck as well. Like, I feel like I would see this deck if I opened it. Like the two Rakdos Firewheelers would make me want to try and build a Rakdos deck pretty hard. Yeah, I agree. And I will say the one deck that I 5-0'd with, also like the build immediately jumped out at me. It was basically a high alert pre-constructed deck. Uh, I had double double high alert. That was also the Hydroid Crisis. But that deck wasn't good because I had Hydroid Crisis and the Benthid. It was good because I had double high alert and I had the cards that went with high alert. Like I had all the creatures you want in a high alert deck. Yeah. So it's nice to see that at least for this small sample size from uh, the GP this weekend, that, you know, the things that were working consistently for folks were streamlined two color decks. And now, you know, a lot of these seem like they were pretty apparent, but they're also 
pretty common based. Like I'm not seeing these these pools where I'm like, oh, you just got like three on color bombs or whatever. Yeah. And I think knowing which commons are good. And I think these people have a lot of the commons that I would be excited to play in sealed. Like they're the, they're the quality two and three drop creatures. And playing the cards where like, you know, Steeple Creeper and Axebane Beast, which are kind of like whatever in draft. But I think those are cards where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm into that for sealed. Those, those have good stats for me. Right. Ben, I'm so scared of like just O3 dropping. <laughs> Well, we've been there. We've been there before. So (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure we'll rally and go karaoke it up and have a great time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, So yeah, I'll be battling. If anyone is in Cleveland this weekend, please come say hi. I'll be wearing some sort of Lords of Limited garb. Um, You can find me somewhere in the convention center for sure. And we will miss you, Ben. I wish you could make it. Yeah, I really wish I was going to battle there with you. But I feel like I did what I could testing some sealed for you. And hopefully, hopefully I helped out. Yeah. And hopefully you find folks out there found this helpful as well. Yeah, that sounds like a great place to wrap it up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. We've also still got our RNA treasure hunt going along. So if you've crossed off any of those screenshots, please feel free to tweet at us on Twitter with the hashtag RNA treasure hunt. Or if you don't do the Twitters, you can email us at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. You can check us out on the mean streets of Twitch. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter. And of course, you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. If you are one of the, I think it's like 600 people who are participating in the Chaos Draft queues on Magic Online, be sure to check out my article this week on Cardsphere about some tips for drafting chaos and some ways to jump into those queues. If you're feeling a little shy, trying to push you into the deep end there, I think it's a really fun format to check out at least once. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. so much Uh, do you start to believe it so uh, just to give everybody a little backstory here